welcome to Contain This. I'm Madeline Short and this is Australia's Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security podcast series. On this episode, I'm asking what happens when you become sick or unwell and how does a health system support the health of people? Well, generally in countries like Australia, one would go to the doctor. Let's say it's an infectious disease and to find out exactly what virus or bacteria is causing the illness, the doctor can send you to a pathologist to take a blood sample. That sample will then get processed in a lab in a few days and the doctor will see the results of that test to guide the next course of action to treat or to mitigate the illness. A few months ago, I was hospitalised here in Australia. I went to see a doctor who diagnosed me with an infection and they prescribed me with two types of antibiotics. Over the next two days, I was getting worse. I then went to the emergency department in the hospital to be admitted as I needed medical attention and surgery. And while I was there, I discovered that my body was reacting to the antibiotics. So a rather large blood sample was collected from me so doctors could better understand my infection and to see if I could change the type of antibiotics I was taking. Within hours, my infection was confirmed, but changing my antibiotics? No dice. I had to keep taking them as it was the most suitable antibiotic for my infection, but at least I was able to take other tablets to reduce these side effects. Later that day, I had a CT scan with contrast in my veins to isolate where this infection was in my body. To facilitate this, I had with me an orderly, an anaesthetist, and the radiographer. The next day, I had surgery. Success. Within this 72-hour experience, I encountered interactions with 23 individual public health professionals who attended to me to get me on my road to recovery. Nurses, doctors, surgeons, and many other professionals. This number does not include the behind the scenes of my experience. I'm sure there were lab technicians, IT support for the hospital's medical technology and software, the cleaners, and of course, the governance ticking along in the background to ensure hospitals and medical centres have the policies and procedures in place. So that is generally what happens when you are sick or unwell. You present yourself to a doctor, you have some tests run, it gets analysed in the lab, and you get treatment according to those results. The logistics, technologies, and systems in place just to treat me, just one person alone, is extraordinary. Good health relies on a complex system with all the parts working together to treat illness or injuries. Let's travel 3,775 kilometres north of Canberra, where we have a young health system and sometimes it's harder to diagnose an illness because the technologies, systems, or policy is just not there yet. This is the young health system of Timor-Leste, On this episode, we will look at the challenges for a health system in a developing context. We will also find out what it's like to work alongside the Ministry of Health in Timor-Leste to strengthen a health system. Josh Francis is the Chief Investigator for the Stronger Systems Research Project titled Strong TL, a project funded by the Australian Aid Program through the Indo-Pacific Centre for Health Security. At the time of this recording, the project was about a year and a bit into its implementation, and already, there has been some great achievements including the development of guidance for integrated disease surveillance and the establishment of a blood culture facility to improve Timor-Leste's ability to detect and respond to infectious disease threats. Camilla Burcock interviewed Josh to find out what are the health needs in Timor-Leste, what the Strong TL project is about, superbugs that are not so super, and also we'll find out what Josh would like to see for the future of Timor-Leste. So today I'm meeting with Dr. Josh Francis from the Menzies School of Health Research in Darwin. Josh, welcome to Canberra. 
thank you. Nice to be here. Um, and then, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. So perhaps to start, you could tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I'm a pediatrician and infectious diseases specialist. And so I studied medicine in Australia and have worked in Queensland and Western Australia and trained in pediatrics and in infectious diseases. Had an interest in refugee health and global health throughout that time. And after finishing my training, found myself very involved in work in Timor-Leste as well as in Indigenous health in the Northern Territory. Fantastic. So how did you first become involved in working in Timor? What was the catalyst that got you there? Uh, so it was a very good friend of my boss at the time, Claire Norse, who's a paediatric infectious diseases specialist in Brisbane at the Queensland Children's Hospital. was involved in work in Timor and took me across during my last year of training. And I went with my wife, Laura, who's a, a nurse. She's a, a research and public health nurse. And we went across and uh, fell in love with the place, actually. Made some very good friends I was involved in TB work here in Australia and I was interested in TB and had started doing a little bit of research and I think I saw more TB in two weeks in Timor-Leste than I'd probably seen in, in a year in Australia. And so became very interested and I got involved with the National TB Program initially and got to meet some amazing people who've been very instrumental in really setting up TB services in Timor over many years and uh, working with them and uh, with uh, Claire and, and others managed to um, get very involved with the Ministry of Health and that really led from one thing to the next and I've had very good opportunities since then to engage with the National Hospital in Timor and uh, work alongside the paediatric department uh, specifically and to help to establish an exchange program between the paediatric department in the National Hospital in Dili with the paediatric department in Royal Darwin Hospital. And, and I guess it was through some of those clinical opportunities and exposure to some of the clinical needs in Timor that I became more and more interested in research and found opportunities to work alongside uh, Timorese people and people from the Northern Territory and other parts of Australia to try to address some of the health systems needs in Timor. So it'd be really good to talk a little bit about what some of those health system needs are. You mentioned TB is a big issue. What are some of the other big um, health health threats that are that are facing Timor and the Timorese yeah, health so system? So my uh, impression of some of the health needs in Timor-Leste is very skewed by my paediatric practice. Mm -hmm. I uh, see children whenever I go to Timor-Leste and it's a massive part of the population almost half of the population are under the age of 18 mm. and uh, and the needs there are enormous. And so uh, tuberculosis is definitely one of the major things. Uh, we see a lot of rheumatic heart disease and uh, Menzies School of Health Research alongside uh, an Australian NGO, Marluk Timor, and with the Ministry of Health in Timor-Leste have uh, done a lot of work on rheumatic heart disease in Timor in a way that really complements work that we're doing also in the Northern Territory where it's a major issue. And we see a lot of malnutrition. We're working with uh, researchers from Australian National University on uh, the issue of stunting and malnutrition in children. Uh, one of the things that uh, became very evident through my clinical practice was the impact of sepsis and bacterial infections, not just on children but adults as well, and with very limited capacity within the system for microbiological diagnosis. And so really very limited understanding of antimicrobial resistance and the impact that that might have. And so a, a lot of the focus of our work has led us there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so Josh, you're the chief investigator on Strong TL, which is funded by the Australian Aid Program through the Indo-Pacific Centre of Health Security. 
Can you tell us a little bit about that project? What are the objectives? I had a wonderful opportunity because of the uh, Centre for Health Security to receive funding that would really set Menzies up to work closely with the Ministry of Health to address uh, infectious diseases, communicable disease, surveillance and control in Timor-Leste. And uh, this has really built on work that we were already doing with the Ministry of Health. The uh, health system in Timor-Leste is new. It, uh, it's a young country that uh, secured its independence again in 2002. And since that time, a huge amount of work has gone into trying to develop systems. But inevitably, sometimes those systems can develop uh, somewhat in silos. And we have been doing work with clinicians in the clinical setting with uh, the laboratory, particularly in microbiology, and also with the surveillance department to try and improve their capacity to uh, monitor and do surveillance for communicable diseases. And what we have tried to do with the Strong TL project is to draw those strands together and to help the system to coordinate in a way that uh, means that uh, we can better understand the epidemiology of infectious diseases in TMLSA so that we can work together for uh, better responses, both on the individual level in terms of appropriate treatment for patients, but also on the system level in terms of the public health responses. So the strong TL stands for Surveillance Training, Research Opportunities and National Guidelines for Communicable Disease Control and Timor-Leste. And it really is helping us to focus on some of those training aspects and developing guidelines that can be used uh, within the country for public health responses, uh, but also really opening up opportunities uh, to use research to make a difference in the way the health system works. And it's been very exciting to work with uh, Timorese health professionals, clinicians, laboratory scientists, and others to develop research projects that are very operational in nature. It's really about looking at the work that they're doing and uh, looking at the data that that produces and using that data to be able to identify some of the problems and look for solutions within the health system. So could you give us an example of what sorts of questions that that, it's been, that are being explored through that operational research? Yeah, I would love to. The uh, Some of the uh, things that we take for granted in clinical medicine in Australia are things like being able to identify what's causing an infection for people who get very sick in hospital. But until uh, recently, as recently as uh, 2018, when we started the Strong TL project supported by DFAT, we uh, weren't able to do blood cultures in the national hospital. It's a simple test that requires taking some blood and looking to see what bacteria grow on it, what, what is causing a serious bacterial infection. And without that ability, it uh, limits your capacity as a doctor to choose the right antibiotics for your patients, uh, but it also means that you just don't have a good idea of what the problems are in general, what the epidemiology of bacterial infections in Timor-Leste are. And so we're doing work with Timorese scientists and clinicians uh, to try to get a better understanding of that now that we have worked together to establish a blood culture service, we're able to look at what is causing bacteremia or sepsis and it's as simple as collecting the data as we go and being able to use that data to describe these are the causes of serious bacterial infections in children and adults being admitted to the hospital in Timor-Leste. These are the rates of antibiotic resistance that we see. And then using those findings, uh, not only for the patients who are being treated at the time, but to be able to guide what then gets used for uh, antibiotic guidelines and treatment guidelines more broadly in Timor-Leste. So it's really linking back to the policy that's, that's driving it so to prevent future It future is, absolutely, yeah. with a huge amount of re- relevance for Timor-Leste itself in terms of 
what should the treatment approaches to infections be in Timor-Leste, uh, but then also uh, relevant to Australia and other countries in the region as well as we look at things like antibiotic resistance as a very much regional and even global problem that we need to address together. So I'm really glad that you raised antibiotic resistance because it's something that would be good to talk about. I mean, I think for a lot of the lay public, there's not really a good understanding about what antibiotic resistance means or why we should be concerned about it. You get the occasional sort of stories about superbugs in the media and then it kind of disappears again. So if you could tell us a little bit about what what do we actually know about yeah. the, the levels of antibiotic resistance and, and what the risks are? Yeah, it's a great question to ask because I think uh, the superbug label can make it sound really dramatic and almost far off, like you're looking at something in the future or uh, something that uh, is happening somewhere a long way from where we are. We don't encounter the superbugs. But the truth is that most of the so-called superbugs aren't all that super. I mean, they're common garden variety bugs, they're bacteria that can cause infections. And it's just that they've developed an ability to uh, evade or escape the antibiotics that we would normally use. And so it's as simple as saying, hey, you get a bacterial infection that responds to antibiotics. Um, But as time goes on and the bacteria are exposed to a lot of antibiotics, they develop the capacity to resist and they resist the antibiotics that we use. And the situation globally is that uh, increasingly bacteria are resisting the antibiotics that we have commonly used for 50, 60 years. And that uh, causes problems on an individual level. So if you've got a resistant uh, infection, it means that the normal antibiotic that you would use that's been well studied and is safe and is well tolerated might not be any good to you. And it means that then doctors have to choose a different antibiotic. And those uh, newer antibiotics are more expensive, uh, sometimes associated with additional side effects. I mean, they've become uh, huge challenges as you try to uh, treat increasingly resistant uh, bacteria. And in many ways, an everyday problem. It's a problem that I encounter as a clinician working in the Northern Territory. We see very high rates of uh, resistant bacteria called MRSA. And uh, the MRSA is just a type of staph. Staph is is a bacteria that causes skin infections, can sometimes get inside your blood and cause bone infections or lung infections, Uh, and it's usually severe when it does that. Uh, But the antibiotics that we would use in most places to treat it are ineffective in about 40% of cases in the Northern Territory where we have this MRSA, and so we have to use different antibiotics for it. Uh, Now, until a couple of years ago, we didn't know how much MRSA there was in Timor-Leste, Uh, But now with improved services, better microbiology, uh, better capacity to do blood culture and other things like that, uh, we're starting to improve our understanding. It helps us with the antibiotics that we choose in a place like Timor. Some of the um, bacteria that develop uh, resistance, the sort of bacteria that live in your gut or cause urine infections, and and those two can become very severe at times. uh, And it's those infections that we see, uh, particularly in Timor-Leste, as we look harder and harder, we're starting to see some very high rates of resistance in those uh, organisms. And it is already changing the kind of antibiotics that we're uh, working with the Ministry of Health to import into Timor-Leste. And that has the potential to really improve health outcomes in the short to medium term. And hopefully over the longer term, build capacity within the system to be able to address these kind of challenges in the future as well. Josh, what's the access to antibiotics like in Timor in the community? Yeah, so getting access to some of the simple, cheap antibiotics is almost too easy. And it's one of the things that can drive antibiotic resistance in any 
setting actually, the more you expose bacteria to antibiotics, the more resistance will develop. And so one of the challenges in a place like Tim Lester is working with the Ministry of Health and with the pharmaceutical industry in terms of addressing access to antibiotics and ensuring that they're only provided on prescription and that sort of thing. So Timor is a, a place where there are maybe contrasting challenges in terms of access to antibiotics. On the one hand, it's almost too easy to get some antibiotics that help to drive resistance. And then on the other hand, some of the more effective antibiotics that are needed in the case of resistant infections are much harder to come by. And so Timor-Leste, like many other similar countries, uh, tends to be restricted to what's called an essential medicine list. That is a list of medicines that's prepared by the WHO that uh, is intended to cover the the basics of what you would need. But it does leave uh, some gaps and uh, there are definitely opportunities as we understand the epidemiology more in Timor-Leste to try to refine that so that we make sure that there is good access to the kind of antibiotics that you need to be able to treat people with serious infections, but also good regulations in place to try to prevent uh, people from using antibiotics in situations where they don't need them, in situations that can drive further resistance. And do you think, is there a good understanding among the public? Has there been sort of campaigns or um, public information awareness raising about the issue of antibiotic resistance? Is it something that's kind of in the public mind or is it something that's a bit of an unknown? Yeah, there's definitely been some effort to uh, to make the public aware. So there's been a fair bit of advertising that's been led out by the WHO and Tim Leste, who have a very active presence in social media and in the public arena in terms of promoting health messaging. Uh, in terms of how far that messaging gets and how uh, completely people understand the situation, I think that there are some real limitations there. And it's one of the challenges of an emerging health system like Timor-Leste's, where uh, trying to uh, not only address some of the challenges that exist in building a system, but also to address some of the perceptions and to uh, improve health literacy and understanding of the importance of accessing health and that sort of thing. So I, I think there's a long way to go on that front, and I don't think we always have the, the right answers in terms of how to communicate these messages the best way. Yes, I think that's true that what will work in Australia won't necessarily work in another context. And equally, what will work in another country like, say, PNG might not work in Timor. Um, Absolutely. Sort of- and I, I think even uh, when we look at what works in Australia, I think we still have a lot to learn here too. And uh, a lot of my work in uh, Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory has taught me a huge amount about uh, how far short we fall sometimes of getting messages across and how important it is to uh, work uh, with people, giving them the opportunity to uh, express things and understand things in their own language and to use local metaphors and to uh, be able to, uh, I, I guess, translate things into a way that makes sense uh, in their own context. And I think here in Australia, there's a lot that we can learn, actually, even from some of the work that we're able to do working alongside our Timorese colleagues in Timor-Leste. Uh, where it's obvious that the health messaging should be in Tetun, and so that's the approach that we take. Uh, but uh, here in Australia, I think that there's still uh, more that we can do in that space as well. One of the things that you've talked about a bit throughout this conversation is about partnerships and about collaboration and working really closely, and I'm interested in your views of what makes for really strong partnerships and effective partnerships. So I think that partnerships are crucial to the success of uh, any uh, work of this nature, and I think it's so important for us when we go into another setting, into like particularly going into another country, 
to appreciate that we're visitors, that uh, the local knowledge and understanding and experience and expertise is vital for the sustainability of anything that we try to do. And so anything that we try to do, we uh, seek to do together with our, our Team Marie's partners particularly. And uh, that is a really exciting venture to be part of. And so in some ways, when you ask me what makes for good partnerships, I feel like seeking out partnerships is intuitive and, and has to be uh, the focus of what we're trying to do and is actually just a, a hugely privileged part of what we're getting to do because we're working with what is a young health system. We're working with some incredibly inspiring uh, people who are looking to build and establish uh, a health system that will improve the health of their people, of the Timorese people. And for Australians to get to be part of that, I think, is a, a wonderful opportunity and a, and a privilege. And so what makes for good partnerships? I think it has to start with being willing just to sit and listen and not uh, come at problems with the solutions immediately, but uh, look at some of the problems that we encounter as opportunities to work together, think together. Uh, learn from each other and I have learnt an enormous amount from uh, the people that I get to work with in Timor-Leste and I, I feel very lucky to have had that opportunity. It influences my practice here in Australia as well as the things that I do in Timor. Uh, and so uh, I, I don't pretend to be an expert at forming partnerships but I do uh, really appreciate the opportunity that I've had uh, to learn from people who are so invested in their own health system and in the health of their own people. So, Josh, before we wrap up, I thought we'd just circle back to Strong TL. Um, as you mentioned, it, the project started in 2018, so about a year into implementation. What are the big accomplishments or achievements that, that you've had in the first year and what are you looking forward to uh, going forward? Yeah, th there have been a few. I mean, some of it relates to some of those partnerships and those partnerships have been a long time in the making, but they've certainly been solidified over the last little while. We've I established an MOU with the Ministry of Health between the Ministry of Health and Menzies School of Health Research. More recently, uh, with uh, some work that we're doing supported by the Fleming Fund in the UK, we have uh, established some One Health work that's looking at antimicrobial resistance in human health and animal health. And as part of that, have established an MOU with the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries as well. And and those partnerships, I think, uh, are excellent and provide a really good platform for ongoing work. Uh, Menzies has established an office in Timor-Leste and uh, that gives us a really good opportunity to work alongside Timor's colleagues in the areas of health research but also of capacity building. For the StrongTL project specifically, there are a couple of uh, really big things that have come out of it over the last uh, 12 months or so. And one of the key ones has been to work with the surveillance department in the Ministry of Health to establish an integrated disease surveillance response guideline. And this guideline really provides a foundation for public health response to particularly communicable disease surveillance and control. And it brings together a list of notifiable conditions in Timor-Leste and, and it helps to really give the, the structure, I suppose, for the health system's response to these uh, important conditions that uh, need to be monitored and controlled. And so um, that uh, IDSR uh, guideline, it's just a document, it's a document that's been written in Tetun and translated into English and I think has uh, potential to really influence the way the health system works in Timor-Leste. So it's been very exciting to 
partner with the Ministry of Health on that as a as a large project. And if I could just interrupt you for people who might not be familiar with the, the concept of notifiable diseases, notifiable conditions, what are those diseases? What's what's been identified? Yes, yeah, so there's a list of fifty-two of them. So I won't tell okay, you, you won't tell the whole list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there's some of the uh, um, conditions that are of really important public health concern, and so. They're things that are potentially contagious, that are potentially preventable. There's some really major issues going on globally and in our own region with measles outbreaks at the moment. So measles is a really classic example of a notifiable condition, and particularly in a country like Australia or even like Timor-Leste where there's a measles vaccination program, you expect low levels of measles to have a system of monitoring so that when there are more cases that start to come through, uh, that the health system is ready and prepared to respond to that is actually really crucial. And so to have a, a system that uh, has notifiable conditions that knows how to respond to notifiable conditions is really vital. Uh, as another example, Timor-Leste has a dengue outbreak almost every year. And, and in responding to those outbreaks, it's really important to have a sense of where are the cases happening and, and when is it starting to kick off. And so to have a, a really good system of those cases of dengue infection being notified centrally to the Ministry of Health so that the Ministry of Health can see as an outbreak commences and can deploy resources and respond appropriately, I think is really vital. Um, so there are another 50 examples right. that I won't go through, but it gives you a bit of an idea. Yeah. Sorry, so I interrupted you and you were, you were telling us a little bit more about what's coming up for Storm TL. Yeah, great. So one of the um, more recent things that the project has been involved in has been helping to lead our training and operational research for our 15 uh, Timorese uh, health professionals who are engaged in the health sector in different ways, either in the laboratory or in the public health system or as clinicians in the university, uh, within NGOs and uh, like Malik Timor or even the WHO. And with these 15 uh, Timorese health professionals, we've uh, delivered two weeks of intensive training on how to do operational research, how to look at the data that comes across your desk as part of your routine work and to analyse that data and to use it to answer some of the important questions about uh, the work that you're doing and how you respond to the, the things that you're seeing from a public health point of view. And that was a really exciting training program that doesn't finish there. It's a training program that has uh, put these 15 health professionals in a position to lead their own projects with support from uh, Menzies and our partners at Australian National University and Burnett Institute. And so over the next uh, 12 to 18 months, we'll be working with them in the conduct of those operational research projects. And it will be exciting actually to support uh, Timorese health professionals as they go about their work uh, to uh, ask important research questions and then look at answering them with the data that they've got. And in doing that, uh, to potentially really significantly influence the health system in Timor-Leste. Oh, it's really exciting and we'll all look forward to, to seeing the results of some of those studies, hopefully, down yeah, the track. Much so. Josh, what would you hope to see for Timor's health system in the next 10 years or so? What improvements in health security would you hope to, to be realised? That's uh, such an exciting question to ask. And it's uh, easy for me to think and dream of uh, big things. It's the kind of question that I'd rather put to one of my Timorese friends and colleagues because I think uh, a lot of that dreaming's been going on for 20 years longer than that even actually in terms of uh, looking towards what's possible and what uh, Tim Lester would be capable of and the kind of improvements in health outcomes that are achievable for the people of Tim Lester. 
and I love getting to be a part of that, so I don't mind thinking and dreaming as well. I think some of the massive health challenges that uh, we're facing currently, uh, it would be wonderful to see some really meaningful uh, reductions in those, in tuberculosis, in HIV, in antibiotic resistance, in malnutrition, in rheumatic heart disease. And I think that some of the uh, groundwork has been done for that. And, and so working with partners, and particularly with the Ministry of Health and and also in a One Health way with the Ministry of Agriculture and Fisheries, I think it is possible to have uh, some really significant impact on some of those individual health challenges. And I think more broadly, it's exciting to see the health system grow in terms of its capacity, uh, leadership uh, across so many different areas in the clinical space, in the laboratory space, in the public health sphere. And so for an organisation like Menzies School of Health Research with the support of DFAT uh, to be involved in building capacity uh, for individuals and within the system, I think is really exciting. And I would love to see in 10 years some of the people that we're working with at the moment who are doing PhDs or doing a Master of Public Health or or um, getting involved even in the operational research training to see them really grow in their capability and their capacity to lead the health system in Timor-Leste. We've been really excited to uh, establish work in Timor that's meaningful and it's done very much in partnership. Uh, but uh, there's an exciting dream and vision for so much more of this to be led completely out of Timor-Leste. And if that can happen with support from Australia, I think that's a very exciting future. Josh, thanks again so much for um, taking the time to speak with you today. It's been really great. No worries. Nice to be here. Thanks. If you would like us to cover a particular topic or interview a guest that you are interested in hearing from, then let us know by dropping us an email, chs at dfat.gov.au, or you can simply tweet us at centrehealthsec.